we're in the series on prayer and, and if dependence upon God is, is not at the heart of prayer, I don't know what is. Prayer is about us having to depend on God. Where we, we are honest with where we're at. I have spent um, a considerable amount of time in prayer this week. And I have to be frank with you and say I, I haven't discovered uh, a greater clarity on the mystery of prayer. I've been in hospital rooms where God has answered miraculous prayers. I've been in those rooms. And this week I was in a room where he did not answer that prayer. So prayer is mysterious. But one thing, again, I think I am confident in is that is prayer is about a dependency on God. It's about us bringing ourselves before him humbly, laying our weaknesses, our inadequacies, our burdens, our pains, our sufferings, our doubts at the feet of Jesus and saying we need you. And regardless of how those prayers are or are not necessarily answered, I think there is some strength in it as we depend upon God. Not only that, our prayers can strengthen others who are in need of strength. This week, as we walked alongside our brother Steve during what is the most difficult time of his life, no doubt, this account from the Old Testament scriptures kept coming to my mind. And it's an account from Exodus chapter 17. It's not the text that we're looking at this morning, but it's just something I want to share with you. And it's just this account of um, Moses and Joshua. They're trying to go into the promised land and and they're going to, uh, they're on their way. And, and as they go in, there's this group called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites come and they, they fight and they attack the Israelites. And Joshua, the young leader of the, the, the army, he goes out and fights the battle. But as he does, Moses goes on top of a hill and he, and he takes his staff and he holds his arms up like this. And, and what happens in this account is that it's, as Moses has his hands up in the air like this and he keeps his hands up, the, the Israelites are winning. But I don't know if you've ever held your arms up like this for a long period of time. Uh, it can only last for so long, especially with a staff in your hand, and then your arms start to fall down. And, and as his arms would fall down, the Amalekites would advance, and they would start to win. And so what happened was uh, Moses' brother Aaron and another guy named Hur, they, they came alongside of him, and they actually lifted his arms up for him. I had a picture of it here. It might have looked something like this. And this week, as we were... With Steve, I saw this in prayer. I saw is in the midst of the weakness of the lament that we were experiencing, that others are experiencing all over the world. We see brothers and sisters doing this, lifting one another up in not their own strength, but bringing them before God who alone can give strength in this time. And this morning, so happened to be uh, half a year, six, nine months ago when we planned what we were preaching this morning. It will, we didn't know we need a prayer on strength. And it's a prayer on strength from Ephesians chapter 3. So I invite you to grab a Bible with me. We're going to read just a very brief prayer of Paul. Ephesians chapter 3. Grace read part of it. We're going to start in verse 14. It's on page 828. And I usually pray before I read this, but I'm not going to because it is a prayer. We're just going to read it. But I will ask you to stand with me as we read this prayer. Perhaps we should be kneeling. But it says in verse 14 of chapter 3, these words, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. 
For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to read it again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is God's word. Why don't you have a seat? It's a very brief part of a prayer. Steve's going to finish us off on it next week, but... Paul writes this and he, and he begins by using these words for this reason. Anyone who's paying attention is like, for what reason, Paul? And to figure it out, you'd actually have to go back all the way to chapter 2. But, but the gist of it is this, is Paul is, is overjoyed with the Ephesians and he's trying to kind of remind them of what he has learned, that their position in Christ. They've figured out who Jesus is. These were Gentiles. They were not Jewish people. They were Gentiles. And so, uh, but they came to understand that, as he wrote in chapter 2, once they were dead in their transgressions and sins. They were dead. But, but they've been made alive in Christ. Spiritually speaking, they were made alive in Christ. And they were seated in the heavenly realms. And not only that, they weren't part of God's people, if you would. But now, through Christ, they're made part of God's people. And for all these reasons, Paul says, for these reasons, for this reason, I kneel before the Father in heaven, from every family on earth derives its name. And then he prays these things. Dave talked last week about... Um, wanting to experience the fullness of, of what Paul knew they had discovered and what that meant. So he writes, I pray these things, that you be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being. That God may strengthen you with his power through his spirit and your inner being. Now, I want you to note this. What Paul doesn't say is he doesn't say, I, would want, I pray that you would strengthen yourself. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I would pray that you would you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He says, I pray that... The Father, through His Spirit, would strengthen. You'd be strengthened passively. You'd receive the strength that comes from God alone in the inner being. Now, something to note here is that Paul's writing this, this, this prayer to followers of Jesus. And, and, and you may wonder, you say, well, why do they need to be strengthened? If they're in Christ, don't they, doesn't everything go, go perfectly? There's this, there's this false understanding of what the good news of the gospel is. The gospel is good news, period. It is. It's good news and it's always good news. But just because we've received the good news and understand Christ doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfectly. And so when we, when we experience the weight of the brokenness of this world and all these kinds of things, we need to be strengthened in our inner being. But another way that we need to be strengthened is I think it's easy for us to look out and say, God, we need you to strengthen us because of all the things that we see going on in the world, all the things that are happening around us. But what's harder for us sometimes to acknowledge is, God, we need to be strengthened because there's some stuff going on in here as well, in our inner being. See, what I think when I think of prayer, very often I think of God is actually trying to deal with what's going on in here perhaps more than he's dealing with what's going on all around us, he's seeking the inner being, the heart inside of us. But I think when we pray so often, I think we're prayed concerning about the things that are going on around, around us. And I get it. I, I mean, raising kids, I've experienced this. Around the dinner table, when we teach our kids, and we watch them pray, hey, do you want to pray? Sure. And it sort of begins like this, uh, early on in their, in, when they're younger. God, I thank you for this food. 
And I thank you for my brother. And I thank you for this house. And I thank you, I love lamp. You know, just like look around. What, what, you know, whatever. That's what kids do. And, and I get it. But, but we as adults, I don't know if it changes that much. We just have better language for it. We can hide better that we're really just looking around outside of us instead of engaging with what we need to be strengthened in here with. And I think one of the reasons why we do that is because we struggle with vulnerability. We struggle with vulnerability with God, with ourselves, with each other. A few weeks ago, we took a prayer survey, um, 338 responses. Thank you. That's a decent chunk of who we are. Felt like it was fairly a uh, good amount of data for us to draw from. Um, and one of, one of the things that pops out of the data, there, I'm going to be bringing some of the data up from time to time, and, and we're processing through praying and how we can learn from that. But one of the pieces of data that stuck out to me was our desire to pray alone. Check out this chart here. Uh, you'll see the one that's the farthest to the right is this, uh, this stat. 75% of us per, prefer to pray by, by ourselves. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we like to pray by ourselves. I, I, and praying by yourself, by the way, is not a bad thing. It's, I'm not saying it's bad. But I, I, here's one of the things I do know, I've heard it enough, is that, uh, why don't you take that down, Nathan? They're looking at the other stuff. I don't want them to look at that. Just that one piece of data. They're all studying it. Um, it's, just that one piece of data. All right, back here now. We like to pray by ourselves. And the reason we like to pray by ourselves, I think, partially one of the reasons why I've heard people say it, is just between me and God. It's just between me and God. But what we're doing is we're trying to actually not have our inner being shared with, with God, like he doesn't know, okay? Or, 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 or with others. Like, we wouldn't certainly want to be vulnerable and pray with others. We don't like praying with others. And, and one of them, I think, has to do with us being vulnerable. But if, if we pray the prayer that Paul prays here, if we're strengthened in our inner being by the Holy Spirit, if Christ dwells in us through faith, then what's supposed to happen is that we will experience an increasing freedom of vulnerability. Because what he will do is by his, by the spirit is the spirit will overcome guilt and shame and fear that we have in our inner being. I was just talking to a, a brother in Christ uh, who's out of state, a friend of mine, and we talk uh, somewhat regularly and just connect up. And he was telling me how about a year and a half ago, we were talking about vulnerability, talking about a year and a half ago, he had a chance with about three or four other guys to become uh, more vulnerable than he had ever been before. And he shared with these guys out loud some of his thoughts. And I'm not talking about, well, sometimes I lust. Like, he, he was talking about really, uh, really shameful thoughts that he's just being honest with and say, these things are things that I think sometimes. And he's like, yeah, I mean, this is stuff you don't, you just don't say out loud. But he said the, the amount of freedom that came from that because of Christ's capacity by, his, by the Spirit to come in and do the transformative work that needs to happen. As, the, as we deal with our inner being. See, I think sometimes we fool ourselves into believing that if we, if we, we try to hide that shame and guilt and fear, whatever it is, that we're in control. But it's not. It's proof. We're hiding. That we're hiding it is proof that we are not in control of it, that it is controlling us. The truth is this. The Spirit is the only one that can overcome that in our vulnerability. And we need to bring these things into light to be dealt with. And prayer helps us do this. But, but I'll be honest, again, I know it's not easy. We don't like doing this with others. 
And, and another piece of data from the survey that I can say that proves this is just looking at you who are married. Let's look at this next slide, Nathan. So if those of you who are married, of those of you who are married, 75% of you pray with your spouse Never, very rarely, or sometimes. That's, I know that math's not going to add, but I, I was taking out the, those who are NAs. If you take the NAs out, those of you are married, 75% of you, so how about this, 25% of you only pray with your spouse on a regular basis. So one out of four. And that should be the person that, that you are most close with. And what's interesting about this evidence, though, is, is, is that there's something about us connecting through prayer. Here, a study by the National Association of Marriage Enhancement, and Nathan, you can take it down, they're still studying that, there you go. A study found this statistic. Couples who have and share a living active faith are 35% likely to divorce than, than the average couple, okay? You probably figured that one. But here's one. Check this stat out. If a couple who has a living active faith regularly prays together, their chance of divorce is 1%. Here's the number. The number was actually one out of 1,156 couples. One out of 1,156 couples who pray regularly together will divorce. Now, I'm not a statistician, and you could say, Troy, maybe the data was, you know, messed with. I, I don't know. You can go with seven standard deviations, and you're still talking about significant um, amounts. Uh, 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 that's a stat. And I, I don't want to say here's why that's always the case, but here's what I found working with couples is that a couple who will pray together will experience a greater level of intimacy because they're vulnerability, they're vulnerability with one another. And that, and why I say that, and some of you are like, I'm not married, I get it, that's fine, because I think that easily applies not just to our, uh, our spouses, but to any relationship that we're in. If we can pray together with others, if we can become vulnerable with one another, God does some amazing work by His Spirit. He strengthens us in the inner being by His Spirit. And Christ dwells with us through faith. Just last weekend, um, Ryan and I had the chance to spend a couple days with a group of, of newer group leaders. And we spent some time with them. And early on, we, we tried to create a space where we could be a little vulnerable. And we asked the, the people that were in attendance, we said, hey, could you, we were create a space um, after, it was before communion, but we, we, we shared some time and said, hey, could you share some things that are on your heart, basically? And, and one of them was vulnerable and gave me permission to share this. He, he said, sometimes I struggle wondering if my faith is only in my head and not in my heart. Sometimes I wonder if my faith is only in my head and not in my heart. He was very honest about that. And so we prayed specifically and literally for God to strengthen his faith and expand it from his head to his heart. Two days later, I got this note in the email from him. I can't stop thinking about this past weekend and how our lives were touched. I feel like I've had some kind of change in my heart. Maybe my faith is becoming more than just intellectual. I was deeply moved by everyone's stories, faith journey, vulnerability, and desire to know Jesus. I felt like we could see the Spirit working right there before our eyes. I'm not sure I've ever experienced anything quite, anything quite like it. See, there's, there's just certain things we can, we can talk about, but we have to experience them. And, 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 and family, prayer is us seeking to experience this. Part of him experiencing this was, was, was a vulnerability of him saying out loud to God, Hey, this is where I'm at. And saying this out loud in front of others, saying, here's where I'm at. I, I need to be strengthened in this. 
Paul prays this for the followers of Jesus in Ephesus so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. That as we are, I think, vulnerable and we're able to let God do his work, that Christ dwells in there. The Greek word here for dwell means a certain fixed, durable dwelling. Not talking about a rental situation, a hotel, an Airbnb. Jesus Christ consistently dwelling in our hearts. And prayer, Ryan said it this way this week. I really appreciate how Ryan put it. Prayer is dwelling with the God who dwells in us. Prayer is dwelling with the God who dwells in us. Now, one of the stats that surprised me from the prayer survey was, was this one on this next slide. It says, and there's a lot of stuff on here, so here's what I want you to highlight. Um, it's the second line. It's 18. You'll see 18, 5.6%. You can't see what that says but because it, it's not in the chart. It says, I don't have time to pray. Only 18 out of 338 of us said, we don't have time to pray. 198 said, I struggle to make prayer a priority. I, I just I thought the stat would be different. I, I thought that there'd be a lot more people saying, I don't have time to pray. But we're not saying that. We're saying, I, I struggle to make it a priority. And perhaps the reason we're struggling to make it a priority is because it's prayer is some kind of a check the box. Nathan, you can take that down again. They're doing the same thing again. Um, if, if, if prayer is a thing, okay, all right, God, here we go. Um, Here's my list. Check the box. You know, you're kind of like, I don't, God, are you listening? Are you hearing? I don't know. And then you're like, I don't know if I can make that a priority. But if, if prayer is really dwelling with the God who is dwelling in us, if we're, if we're able to set aside time and experience and say, God, we need you to dwell in us, reveal yourself to me, then perhaps we'd be able to make that more of a priority because we'd be hearing from him regularly. We'd be, even if we're just seeking to listen to him. Family, prayer is, is this place where God takes those vulnerabilities. And here's what he's able to do. Sometimes we're, we're struggling. God, I don't want to share this with you. Maybe it's a shame. Maybe it's fear or it's guilt. But what we get in prayer, what we receive in prayer is forgiveness for that guilt. We, we receive peace from that fear. We can receive grace and, 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 and forgiveness in the midst of shame. Prayer is a gift that God's given us so we can experience the fullness of Christ in our lives. And as we pray, when we pray with others, we experience this vulnerability and we experience Christ dwelling anew in us. And the only reason that that's even possible is because John 1.14 said that Christ came and he made his dwelling among us. So first he came and dwelled among us and then he sent his spirit to dwell in us. He left his position of ultimate strength in heaven and came to this broken world to experience the weakness, to experience the vulnerability, to experience shameful death. He became weak so we could experience the strength of his spirit in, the, in, our, inner being, in our inner being. Now, some of you maybe this morning have never embraced this inner strength that can come from Christ alone because perhaps you're still striving. You're still striving on your own. The gospel is this. It's good news. You don't have to strive anymore. Because Jesus has strived on your behalf. We can stop striving. We can be strengthened by God. You can bring your weakness, your sin, your depravity, your brokenness before Jesus and ask Him to dwell in your heart, to take up residence and dwell there as He changes you from the inside out. 
If you're here this morning and that's where you're at, we, I would ask you that today would be the day you'd say, I want to stop striving and I want to let Jesus Christ strive on my behalf. Now, many of you, I, I hope and pray, have done that, and, and yet you're still fighting these battles. There's still things that you wrestle with because you still need to be strengthened, just like these Ephesian Christians. Paul says, I want you to be strengthened, to continue to be strengthened, to be strengthened. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to be strengthened. We need to be on our knees before the Father, receiving His strength that can only come from Him. And not only that, I would say, take a risk and be vulnerable and do it with somebody else. Do it with somebody else as well. As I was thinking this past week about this, this picture of Moses and Aaron and Hur, um, this, this picture came to my mind a couple times because we were in the hospital and I, there was a couple times where I saw Steve literally walking down the hallway with a brother under each arm being held up because he was so exhausted from grief that I, I, I can't imagine. And, and Friday morning, I was dwelling with the God who dwells in me in some time alone and quiet. And out of nowhere, God, I, I think, spoke to me, gave me another picture that I didn't connect until having seen that this week. And the picture was that it, I just kept thinking of, of Moses holding up his arms. But then the picture came while I was in prayer. And it, wasn't, it was that Moses wasn't the only one who ever hold, held his arms up like this. There was another one who held his arms up like this. And, and, and there was no one else who could possibly come alongside him and lift up his arm to help him. The weight that was upon his arms and his shoulders was so huge. It was so cosmic. No one could do it. And so he decided, knowing that no one else could hold his arms up, he decided to have them nailed in place. While the greatest battle was ever fought. And they were held in place until victory was secured on the cross. And he cried out, it is finished. I'm so grateful that the Father gave me that image this week. It was, it was refreshing in my soul. We're going we're gonna to celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate communion. We say celebrate because even in the midst of the deepest possible pain, no matter what it is, we have a God who came, who held his arms up, had him nailed up, and bled every last drop so that our victory could be secure. Victory that we did not fight, that we could not win over sin, over death. And so we're going to remember him. Now, what I have is hopefully as you've walked in is hopefully you had a little sheet of paper like this. And it has this statement on it. Because sometimes writing our prayers out is important. When we think about prayer, I don't know if I can just teach you a little bit in this. Sometimes writing or journaling out a prayer is so powerful. 
And so what I did was I, I kind of took our verses for this morning and I, I, I put them in our words to some extent. Father, I ask you and I need you to strengthen me with your power in my soul, my inner being. By your spirit caused Christ to dwell in my heart through faith. I, I would ask you to pray that prayer. That's these verses. Help me to be honest and vulnerable with you through the prayer that I bring before you right here. And so what I want you to do is I want to take some time and take that piece of paper and I want you to write on it before you go to the table. Before you go to the table, write something on there. And perhaps it's for somebody else. Literally, maybe you're like, you know what, help me be vulnerable. I am upset. I, I, I don't know. I'm hurt. Or for this brother or sister or whatever. But be vulnerable. And if you want to get really crazy, if you want to get crazy, when you're done, you could actually turn and share that prayer with someone else. I'm not telling you to. I'm saying if you want to get crazy. Because that's called vulnerability. And God works through that as we come before him and saying, we need you. We need you. So take time and write that out. And after you've written it out, you can put it in your pocket. You can take it home with you. You can put it in your Bible. You can give it to somebody else. You can, I, I don't care what you do with it. You can hide it because it's very shameful and I, whatever. But just bring it before the Lord. And then go to one of the five stations. Take the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat with you. And the way that we do this here at Kettlebrook is your church background doesn't matter. We just ask that when you go to the table, what you're doing is you're receiving the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that he alone is the way to the Father. That you would say, there is no way that I can save myself. Only Jesus Christ can save me. If you can say that, then you are welcome to the table and bring it back with you and once you've written that prayer out and once you've gone and received the bread and the cup and brought it back I'll lead us together as a family in the cup and the bread Lord help us to be vulnerable before you because it's only in that vulnerability that we understand that you and you alone can strengthen us may we be strengthened in our inner being by your spirit who alone can strengthen us As we go, may we be reminded that we at times need to have our arms lifted up. And it's your son, Jesus, who lifted up his arms on our behalf. And he had them nailed there. Be with us now by your spirit. Father, may Christ dwell in our hearts through faith. In his name we pray. Amen.